From WSC-FM and HU1 Columbia, I'm Justin Walsh. And I'm Lydia Blackstone. This is Politically Inclined from WUSC News. Coming up on this week's show, tomorrow marks the end of 2020's general election cycle. November 3rd will be the final day that people are able to cast their ballots, but there's no guarantee as to when we will definitely know the results of the presidential race. With different states having different laws concerning the deadline of finished counting absentee ballots, there could be an uncertainty surrounding the results for up to a couple of weeks. Also, polling agencies have released their final polls before the election, showing the presidential race as close as ever. We'll talk about polling, when you should expect results, and everything that you would want to know about the election with our panel of WUSC political correspondents. All that and more coming up on this week's episode of Politically Inclined. The news is first. Live from WSC News, I'm Morchalis. We're just one day out from Election Day, and there's already some concern about when we'll know who the next president is. As WSC's Abigail Brandon reports, with there being more mail-in votes and absentee ballots, vote counts will likely take longer than normal. Tomorrow, November 3rd, is the 2020 general election. President Donald Trump has claimed recently that the election results should be fully counted and available on election night. He said, quote, that's the way it's been and the way it should be. However, according to the New York Times, no state has ever had election results ready by midnight of election night. News media outlets report election results on the night of the election by making predictions based only on a partial count of the votes. With the high volume of mail-in and absentee ballots cast this year due to the pandemic, vote counts will likely take even longer than normal. For example, Texas has seen more votes cast so far this year than total votes cast in the 2016 election. With WUSC News, I'm Abigail Brandon. There are a number of races in close contention across the Palmetto State in tomorrow's election. Incumbent Senator Lindsey Graham is facing the closest race in his career as Democratic candidate Jamie Harrison seeks to unseat the Republican. The two Senate candidates have broken numerous fundraising records over the course of their campaigns. And the polling aggregator site 538 puts Graham up five points over Harrison. Multiple polls from the past few weeks have shown the race neck and neck. In South Carolina's 1st District, Democratic incumbent Joe Cunningham has a slight edge over Republican challenger Nancy Mace, but that race is nearly neck and neck, too. And in District 2, Republican incumbent Joe Wilson faces his most contentious challenge yet with Adair Ford Burroughs, who has out-fundraised Wilson quarter after quarter. Polls in South Carolina close tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. A familiar face was seen downtown at Five Points during this past weekend's Halloween celebration. President Bob Caslin made an appearance in several different bars, including Breakers and Cotton Gin. According to University spokesperson Jeff Stensland, Caslin made the visit to Five Points to see if the state and CDC guidelines are being followed by students. Caslin didn't stay for very long in each bar and was requesting that people wear a mask. As seen in pictures circulating on social media, that didn't stop hordes of people from crowding together and disregarding public health guidelines. 
As of today, the state of South Carolina surpassed 170,000 coronavirus cases with over 3,600 deaths. Dieck announced 785 new confirmed cases, along with 10 additional deaths today. Dieck is currently working with community partners to set up more testing clinics, which will include mobile testing sites. You can visit scdhec.gov forward slash COVID-19 testing to find out more information regarding testing locations. Stocks have gone up since last week. The Dow Jones up 423 points today. The Nasdaq rose 46 points. And the S&P 500 rose 40 points. It's currently 53 degrees outside, mostly clear skies with a low of 36 tonight. Tomorrow, the high is 66 degrees with a low of 41. I'm Ward Jealous. This is WSC News. It's 6.07. Okay, let's settle down. Since today is career day, stand up and tell the class what you want to be when you grow up. I to be a pilot, soccer player, fireman, a judge. Kids dream big. As a parent, you can protect those dreams by keeping your kids healthy well into adulthood. If your son or daughter is 11 or 12 years old, the American Cancer Society recommends giving them the HPV vaccine to help protect them from six types of HPV cancers later in life. To learn more, visit cancer.org HPV. Hi, I'm Mayor Steve Benjamin. Did you know that one in six children in our country is obese? Being overweight puts kids at risk for high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, and many other diseases. Let's encourage kids in Columbia to engage in healthy, balanced, and active lifestyles. Reduce their times in front of that TV or computer and get physically active. And we can set an example by being active with them. For more information on preventing childhood obesity, visit usmayors.org forward slash childhood obesity. Brought to you by the U.S. Conference of Mayors. You're listening to Politically Inclined from WSC News. Tomorrow is the day that we have all been anticipating all year. But we may have to wait even longer to find out who America decided to elect the President of the United States. Here to discuss what we should expect as results begin to come in tomorrow are political correspondents Sarah Hudock-Jeffrey, Nick Harvey, and Ward Jallis. Thank you guys for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Very excited. Of course. Thank you guys uh, one more time. And so to start everything off. I know this election is obviously unlike no other, and a lot of precautions are already being taken surrounding what's to come, but what are y'all's general expectations coming in tomorrow? Well, to be honest, um, I think, you know, a, a big thing, I think there will be a solid turnout at a lot of the polls here in South Carolina. I think, you know, South Carolina is normally pretty good about getting voters to the polls, but with all of the early voting and all the mail-in ballots, there's already a good portion. I mean, if you look at Today, Florida actually reported 8.97 million early votes cast, which is over 95% of the 9.42 million total votes cast in 2016. Um, Democrats did have that strong final day, but partially because a lot of the smaller GOP counties didn't offer Sunday voting. With that being said, these mail-in votes are going to be counted likely after all of the general election votes come in tomorrow. It's you know probably going to be a couple days, but I think it's going to make for a very interesting setting and i'm just you know at this point kind of hoping that things stay calm until we can kind of get all those results in a lot of expectations for tomorrow ward i'm going to turn it over to you and i kind of want to talk about these swing states that are very important pennsylvania is very crucial for both of the campaigns what do you think there's a lot of like nick just said there's a lot of absentee voting that have already gone forward but do you think that there's enough of an expectation to be had in pennsylvania and also in these toss-up states ward 
Yeah, I, I think you made a really good point about Pennsylvania and these other toss-up states, because one thing that you do have to remember about living in the United States is that the popular vote does not determine uh, the next president. It is actually the Electoral College, and a lot of times what that means is that a few swing states um, end up deciding the election. This year, uh, a lot of experts saying that that state is Pennsylvania. It's right on the tipping point. Biden currently leads by about five points in national polling. Um, but, you know, people are saying that there are a lot, a lot of ways for Biden to win this. Um, and, you know, that win runs right through Pennsylvania. Very true. And Trump won these states back in 2016, but Biden does, like you said, have a lead in these. Um, I want to bring it over to Sarah. Do you think that these polls are reliable enough, or do you think that there's maybe a little silent majority that's that's a Trump supporter that's going to go out on the day of the election and vote tomorrow? I definitely think that's a possibility. So 93 million ballots have already been cast in the election. A lot of people are early voting. I already went to go early vote and there was a super long line. Um, it went by pretty fast though, because I think everyone knows what they're, who's they're, who they're voting for. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, a, I think a lot of people coming in to the, for those early voting may be more democratic leaning. And so I think, yeah, I think a lot of the people that show up on election day are going to be Republican. And so that's definitely going to skew those results, skew those polls. I mean, in general, I think polls right now, um, you know, definitely we have to be wary about them and make sure we're getting the right information because things can change a lot on election day. So I definitely think that there is possibility for things to change. But I know places like Pennsylvania where Biden has a pretty strong following because he's originally from Pennsylvania. I think he definitely has a pretty solid chance there. I want to also talk about Florida. Florida is obviously a very important state, and I want to talk about that with Nick. What's your take about what's happening there, and what do you think the outcome is going to be for Florida? Well, you know, like you said, Florida is obviously huge in this election. It always will be. Um, I think right now, you know, I've been watching the news all day. Different media outlets give their different takes. Um, as important as this is, I think Florida right now, Trump has a slight advantage there. I, I think tomorrow we'll see it outright in the popular vote that I, I do think Trump's going to win Florida. He's he's campaigned well in Florida. He's got a ton of support from Florida. And I, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I don't know that it'll be that close in the popular vote for Florida for, for Donald Trump. Great point. And um, I just want to ask, I want multiple takes on this. So after all that's happened, especially in the year 2020, all the um, drama surrounding the election itself. So in South Carolina alone, as we've said, there's over a million votes already been cast. Even though these numbers are high as of now, do you guys, I want to speak to Ward first, do you think we will see an overall greater or smaller amount of overall votes once a decision is made? After the whole thing with COVID and the whole mail-in ballots debacle, what do you think the overall numbers are going to be like in comparison to years past? Well, I think that's a really interesting um, question, Justin, because like you said, almost 100 million people in the United States have already voted uh, in this election before Election Day, and that is absolutely unprecedented. Uh, in By comparison, in 2016, only about 130 million people voted total. Um, and so we're already, you know, we're already getting really close to that. And Election Day isn't even here yet. Um, so, you know, you're already seeing record turnout in states like Texas and Pennsylvania and Florida, all of these tipping points. Uh, that we've been talking about. And, and I think it's really interesting that people are so 
energized this year. I think that one thing, one difference between this year and maybe any other election year since is that people aren't just buying those campaign stickers and putting them on the back of their cars and stuff. People are getting these candidates' names like tattooed on their forehead. And <laughs> I mean, that's really the that's really the way this election is turning out this year. And it's it's absolutely crazy to see people this energized. I'm thinking that turnout this year you know, we've already broken several records. And of course, you know, there is a big early turnout because of the pandemic, but people are energized this year, Justin. And I I would be surprised if we didn't see at least a number similar to 2008. You talk about those energized voters. There's so many energized young voters. I know for me personally, Justin, too, it's our first time voting. Nick, I, I think this is your first time voting, too. How does that feel as a young voter? Are you excited to get out there and vote? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, this is something that, you know, this year my, my dad's actually an elected official in Colleton County. So getting to not only vote to elect our president for the next four years, but to encourage and support my own father, like I said, who's up for reelection and what will be his eighth term as corner if he gets reelected. Um, I, I think it, it means a lot to me to know that my voice is being heard and I'm being counted with all these other people who are getting their first opportunities as well. But I think it's a big opportunity and i think the youth are going to be very important in this election i think you know uh, plenty of people are going to have their voices heard in the youth and i think that's going to be where a lot of swings happen in this election i know for sure when i went to vote the other day on thursday i got that i voted sticker one i felt like such an adult which it's is the best participation trophy award of every exactly. adult this year <laughs> but it's, especially this year of all years it definitely felt different like i never understood especially as a younger kid the hype around like just voting because you're like you're one in a million or like one in however many million but i actually felt like i made a difference this year and it felt nice and i know there's so much more we have to cover with this election and i want all of y'all's takes but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here with our panelists right after this i'm university of south carolina student body president izzy rushton and i'm president bob caslin let's prevent the spread of covid19 keep your distance no matter the location get tested Wash your hands. Wear face coverings in class and on campus, in restaurants, and in every social setting around Columbia. And take the I Pledge Columbia promise. We are Gamecocks, so spurs up, masks up, Gamecocks. We'll, we'll get, get through, through this, this together. together. Why can't I get a monkey? Why can't you catch a whale with a worm? Dad, can we go to the moon on vacation? If you think it's tough answering these questions, imagine the ones you'll get if your child is diagnosed with cancer. CureSearch.org is a website that can help. It connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. We're back with WUSC political correspondent Sarah Hudock-Jeffrey, Nick Harvey, and Wardjals. Thank you all for being back with us. Thank you. So now, I know we've talked a lot about 
what's happening leading up to it, all the expectations surrounding it. But now I want to talk about the possible aftermath because I know there's been a lot. We've all heard the news. We've all seen what's going on, the precaution being taken. So first off, I'm going to throw it to Sarah first. So as we get closer to, the, to November 3rd, Washington, D.C. has already started preparing for the outcome. Many businesses have already started boarding up their windows, and law enforcement is preparing for the worst. Do you believe that the worst is yet to come, or are officials over-exaggerating the expectations of reactions? Because I know there's a lot that we're worried about. What do you think is the outcome following, following November 3rd? I think that a certain level of protection is definitely justified. I don't think it's that much of an exaggeration, to be honest. And I think the thing, the, the reason why is because a lot of people are going to be angry, I think, no matter what. I think that's just where it comes down to is, um, you know, a lot of um, a lot of Trump, President Trump and his followers believe that any votes that are counted after the election will be fraudulent. And so I think his supporters are, are going to be angry because they think it's going to be a fraudulent election. And then I think a lot of Biden supporters are going to be extremely angry because of the fact that um, Trump beat Hillary in 2016. And they felt like it was going to be different this time. And there's just a lot of, I think a lot of the expectations that Biden is going to be leading is also priming Biden supporters to be extremely disappointed if he doesn't. And so I think either way, people are going to be very angry. And so I don't think that it is an exaggeration to be preparing in that way. And I know a lot of, uh, I mean, especially all that's happened this year, Sarah, same question. Um, I know like a, a lot of possibility surrounds like riots. Do you think that's a legitimate outcome that can come from this? Like I said, I think people are going to be angry on both sides, no matter what. And I definitely think that um, a lot of Biden supporters that I know are extremely stressed about this upcoming election. And a lot of people I know are really scared of having their rights taken away or having to, or maybe even trying to leave the country or, you know, just feeling a lot of stress and anger um, surrounding this election. A lot of Trump supporters are, again, like I said, expecting it to be fraudulent. If Trump does not win, they may not even accept the um, the results. So I think either way, um, it's going to be a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. I think the possibility for rioting is definitely um, possible. 2020 has definitely been the most bizarre year yet. Um, so everybody's kind of joking, what's the grand finale going to be? What's the craziest thing that's going to happen next? So Ward, <laughs> we're all wondering, Ward, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that no matter what happens, like Sarah said, there's going to be some people that are angry about this. I think we, the state of politics right now is just the most polarized that it's been in a very, very long time. But I think one thing that a lot of people have to remember is that while while it does feel polarized and it does feel, you know, like this is the most chaotic time and this has been the most chaotic year, maybe it has been, uh, there is a president that has been set um, and that is a peaceful transition of power. There may be protests, there may be some rioting in some places, but I, I honestly think that at the end of the day, um, you know, historically, as you can see, people generally accept the results for what they are. Now, if there was some kind of weird thing, some kind of weird fluke, like you said, it is 2020, so anything could happen. Say Biden wins the popular vote by eight or nine percent, but, you know, Trump wins by a few thousand votes in these key swing states and pulls off an electoral college win. I think that could be disastrous for, you know, the state of politics over the next year or so. 
A lot of people have been calling for um, for an end to the Electoral College, um, and I think that something like that could definitely, you know, spur some conversation. Six out of the seven last presidential elections have been yeah, Democrats have won the popular vote, but as you know, three of those seven times um, Republicans have kept control of the White House. So I think it's a very interesting conversation. I think there are a few different outcomes that could potentially be crazy this year in this election. But um, I think there are far more scenarios in which this is um, a fairly predictable election than there are uh, scenarios where something like that happens. To talk about those outcomes that could be less desirable with people rioting or those type of things, um, we don't know what's going to happen yet. And of course, we're hopeful that nothing like that does happen. But I know that right before I came here tonight, I was sitting with one of my friends who's an RM, and they were saying that even USC is preparing to bring it a little closer to home, that, that their residence hall had gotten an email of what the procedures are to be if things do go south. So Nick, I want you to kind of weigh, weigh in on that. What would your be reaction if that happened? Yeah, you know, it's definitely, um, it's a little, I wouldn't say frightening necessarily, but it's, it's definitely something that'll kind of raise your heart rate a little bit when you hear that, you know, things could escalate so quickly depending on the outcome of an election. Um, I, I think it's a bit a bit in, insane, quite frankly. I, I don't think it should be escalated like this. I understand people are going to be upset, but the thing about it is, and I'll actually kind of take off of what Sarah said earlier is, this is almost like deja vu from the 2016 election where all these polls had Hillary Clinton winning the election and when things shifted and so many people were caught off guard because they were played up so well to, that everybody was assuming Hillary Clinton was going to win the election and then Trump came in and, and won the election outright and people were frustrated. And there's so much tension in this country right now that if the same thing happens in the way that the polls and the way that the media is putting it out with that, that Joe Biden's going to win this election, if it turns the other way and Donald Trump wins this election, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see things get out of hand. And it, it's it's saddening, it's disheartening, and it's frustrating, but you know, thing, things have to stay civil after this election. And, and to be quite honest, I heard about that email that had gone out and that they were preparing for things like that. And it, it's it definitely is a little nerve wracking um, to think about something like that and to have to you know, sit in your room and just hope for the best. Absolutely. I know there is tons of fear going into this, especially around the presidential election, but kind of veering off of that, I know we've discussed a lot about the presidential race so far tonight, but one thing we haven't brought up is the fact that there are two other names on the ballot right now um, in for South Carolina, one being Jamie Harrison, then Senator Lindsey Graham. So, Sarah, do you... Um, I know we've talked a lot about the presidents, but like, what do you think the outcome of the South Carolina race is going to be? Could South Carolina be getting a Democratic senator? So I am from Charleston, South Carolina, and in 2018 we had the um, we had Joe Cunningham won the Charleston district, and it was an extremely extremely tight race. It was a very similar situation actually. There was a re relatively moderate Democrat candidate, and then a very um, kind of right leaning. Uh, Trump-backed Republican candidate. And that's what's going on between Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison right now. And it was an extremely, extremely tight election in in Charleston. You know, it was it was literally down to like 100 votes. I think it was so extremely tight. So I think that's going to be a similar situation with this. Um, I definitely see that Jamie Harrison has gotten tons of support. He's getting tons of donations, even more than I think his campaign team could have ever expected. 
Um, you know, and I think his campaign team is definitely hoping for the best. And I think it looks like Jamie Harrison could be the winner, but I think it's going to be very tight. And I think people shouldn't stay home just because they think Jamie Harrison is going to win. Ward, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that, <laughs> you know, one of the things is that if you look back to 2016, of all 50, of all 50 states and all states that had senators running on the ballot, Every single state that voted Republican in 2016 voted also for a Republican senator. And every single Democratic state, a state that went towards Hillary Clinton, also voted for a Democratic senator. So it's interesting to talk about this, these down-ballot races, and see how things have changed. You know, four, four years ago, there was not even a discussion over whether or not, um, you know, South Carolina would even remotely swing blue in any race. Um, and then, of course, like Sarah said, we had Joe Cunningham. Currently, though, this race, Lindsey Graham is leading by a few points in these polls. Um, the poll aggregator site 538, which you'll hear me talk about a lot because it's got lots of interesting polls and statistics on it, uh, currently has um, South Carolina in the category of likely Republican and has Lindsey Graham up just a few points over Jamie Harrison, about four points. So, you know, will South Carolina go blue this year? Probably not. But will it be close? Definitely. Yes. And just to finish it off, you know, overall, people really just need to go out and vote. I like what you said, Sarah, earlier, is that a lot of people don't be sitting at home just because you think that your candidate's going to win. So true. Um, And, you know, the last question I want to ask all of y'all is just what would you say to that young undecided voter that doesn't think that their vote matters, that doesn't think that they're going to leave and go get that vote out tomorrow? What would you say to them to encourage them to vote? Start with you, Nick. Yeah, you know, um, coming into what is actually going to be my first uh, voting season, I guess, um, I was fully intent, intending on, you know, casting a vote as soon as possible. I, I voted early in the primaries as well as the general election. And I think that, you know, if people are discouraged about voting and they want to believe that their vote's not going to count, you've got to realize the stakes that are at hand and in a state election especially not necessarily the presidential election but look at the senator's race that, that that's a huge race in south carolina this year it's big for the senate and if people think that they are not going to have their vote counted for these senate candidates or anything like that they have to readjust and they have to take another look at themselves and say hey you know i'm a registered voter and i can go make a change for what i believe in and if that's you know that, that's the case. And I think that's the easiest way that you can put it is you do have a voice and you can vote for what you believe in that you think will make this country even better. What about you, Sarah? So I think that voting is such a ripple effect. So when you vote and you share, you know, on social media, the picture of you voting or you tell your friends I voted, that puts pressure on the people in your circle to go vote as well. So I feel like if one person is like, I'm not voting, it doesn't matter. That's going to create ripple effect and people around them might feel the same way. So I think you have to realize that you matter so much, especially when it comes to voting. So whatever you, you know, put out there is going to come back and vote because it definitely counts and vote like your rights depend on it. 
And Ward, what about you? Or am I going to see an I voted selfie from you tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've already sent my absentee ballot in and I'm pretty sure that it's there already. So unfortunately, you won't see that. Oh, too bad. (laughs) I know. I've always wanted one of those stickers. Um, But you will, you know, I think one thing that people really should take away from this election is that this is going to be an election like no other. It already has been. Um, And for the people out there who are questioning whether or not they should vote, just because you live in a solid red state or a solid blue state, I mean, the Senate race, just like Nick said, in South Carolina can prove to you that your vote does matter. That election is really that 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 race is really close. Um, And so think about think about other things. This, like Sarah said, I mean, you're voting on what affects your lives. These people make decisions that regularly affect your lives. And, you know, whatever happens tomorrow, if it's a Biden landslide, if Trump, you know, ends up taking back another four years, I think people are going to know that if they voted, at least at least they won't be haunted by what would have happened if they had not. Thank you so much, Ward. And thank all of you political correspondents. Having y'all on was awesome. We want to encourage everybody to go out and vote tomorrow. And that's all that we have for Politically Inclined this week. We don't, uh, we don't know what results we'll have next week, but make sure to join us next Monday at 6 for a discussion of what we know so far. Politically Inclined is a production by WSC News and is produced by Stephanie Justice and Ward Jollis. The outreach coordinator for Politically Inclined is Julie Crosby, and the music for Politically Inclined is called Fluffy by Smith the Mister. You can go find other news shows and WUSC News podcast at garnetmediagroup.org. From WSC News in Columbia, I'm Lydia Blackstone. And I'm Justin Walsh. This is your final reminder. Please go out, voice your opinion and vote. This has been Politically Inclined. We'll see you next week.